made my dad upset a couple months ago. Uh, it was a while ago. He wasn't really upset. I don't think he believed me. But he was like something about something about how I should have my own talk show one day, like Ellen DeGeneres, but I shouldn't be a lesbian or something. He said something like that, and I was wow. Like, and I, he's like, you could right. be like Ellen, except you can't be a lesbian. And I said, I already am. <laughs> and he said, great. <laughs> Great. Every Christian dad probably watches lesbian porn. I'm just going to throw that out there. Of course they do. So, but they're going to be super pissed off if their daughter becomes a lesbian. You're like, I dated this guy who said he didn't watch lesbian porn because he didn't find it believable. I was like, it is the most believable out of all porn. No, I don't believe it. I don't think lesbians are real. He's like, I've never seen a lesbian. He's like, I don't think that two women can pleasure each other. (laughs) That sounds exactly like a man who has never gone down on a woman. Yeah, right? And 100% refuses to do so. Mm -hmm. No, it never works. I don't know. I'm down there. I'm batting everything around just as much as you think. batting it around. I'm being just as violent as you're supposed to be, and they never enjoy it. So obviously lesbians can't be a thing. And I don't believe that orgasms are real for women. And welcome back to White Collars, Red Hands, everybody. Uh, my, yeah. Yeah. We're gonna, that's our lead-in. My name is Kashan Bachelor. And my name is Nina Kerr. Uh, thanks again for joining us mm-hmm. on this adventure uh, through... That we call life. That we call life. And, uh, and this specifically that we call a podcast. Mm-hmm. Today's topic is something that's very uh, close to heart for me. Since moving to Chicago, I've become a big baseball fan. That This has only been since you've moved to Chicago? Yeah, I started watching baseball in 2017, right after I moved here. Okay. you ha- I, All right. That's fine. You just say talk it. like no, you're no, a fucking, fucking lifelong it. fan. Like, I thought you were a lifelong fan because of how, like, weird you are with it. No, I just learned a lot in four years. All right. I went, like, deep in. I drafted a fan. Yeah, you did. I, I drafted a fantasy team today while I was writing this. Ooh, who's on your fantasy team? Are any of them hot? I, I would say, I could say any name, and I Is think you Jason would just not Hayworth know. Is Jason on your team? No, he's... I want him to marry me. He's not really good at the plate, so... Great defender still, not gold glove like he you used to be, but you know... Plate. Yeah, I know, we went to a game together, and we sat right next to him, and I said, I think I pointed at him and turned to our mutual friend and said, that's Nina's type. <laughs> yeah, Jason Hayward's my type. We pay professional athletes in this country... Too much! A lot of money, you know? And I will say, I always make the point that it's that big of an industry. So like it the is. industry's bringing in a lot of money and the people who provide for that industry should be compensated with what they're making. It's the same uh the same thing that pr- should probably be happening in a bunch of other fields of work, uh but but it's not. You know, uh, corporations make a lot of money, but they often pay the people at the bottom the bare minimum, which is not enough to live. Minimum wage. So, but yes, we do pay players of sports, professional sports here in America, a lot of money. And baseball is actually the highest paid sport of all the sports in America. Oh, I didn't know that. Per player, yeah. I actually didn't know that. Players in, uh, the highest paid players in baseball make more than the highest paid players in any other More than football. Yeah. A lot of the time it's because there's no salary cap in baseball. There's salary Uh, caps in everywhere else, so the team can only, like, spend so much money on people. Okay. But in baseball there's not, so they just throw a bunch of money at the best players. Do you know who makes the most? Right now, the highest paid player, uh, the highest paid average earning player is now Trevor Bauer, who just signed this last year. He's slated to make $40 million <gasps> over the course of the each year for the course of the next three years. Uh, the highest contract ever signed is Mike Trout. I think he signed a 
something like a 12 year contract for something around 350 million dollars i just went into cardiac arrest yeah it's so much money it's a lot of money now in baseball though Sorry, they do work really hard. Their season is so long, and it's like 160 games. Like 162? Yeah. And then playoffs. Yeah, it's it's insane. Cause yeah, like, it's six months. I just remember, because I was working at a restaurant in Wrigleyville, and we would get the game schedule, and I mean, they don't... I mean, I will say that, like, yeah, that's a shit ton of money, but they don't get a day off. A lot so. of the times, they'll play 43 days in a row. That's not good for anybody. So, you know, and... We're not going to get into it today, but there's a whole nother big thing about them not paying minor leaguers a livable wage. Like they pay them an average of like $1,500 a month or something. And they only, oh my God. and they only pay them for the six months or something they play. Womp womp. So they make like no money. So unless you're one of the highest touted prospects and you sign a, you get a big signing bonus when you get drafted to a team, like you're going to be working two other jobs as well as being a professional baseball player. That's a lot. When the owners make so much money and they pay the major league people what they're worth, but they don't pay the minor league people before they get there what they're worth. And that being said, only 0.5%, 0.5%. That's the percentage of players drafted by a major league baseball team that make it to the major leagues. That's so, crazy. So 95.5% will never be on the major league team. And even less than that, find an extended stay and a big payout at the highest level of America's pastime. So to beat the odds takes resilience, a strong personality, and the ability to be cutthroat in your tactics of making it to the top. In a lot of ways, this mimics the structure of corporate America. And the lucky 0.5% get paid like executives being in the sports league that I just said pays its players more than any other in this country. And today, we're going to talk about a man that came from nothing to one of the richest men in that sport and then used all of the personality traits that got him there and his newfound money for increasingly stupid <laughs> and insidious means. And that man, everybody, is Lenny Dykstra. I had never heard of this man before. Kashan's like, this is who I want to do the podcast on. And I was like, cool, never heard of him. I, to be fair, I know one, I think I actually know like one maybe four baseball players' names, and this That's was fair. one I've never known. He and played in the 80s and 90s, so yeah. also, like, before, like he would he only played for another three years after you were born and then never played again. Right. So. so, but this man is insane! The, no, this is, oh, man, this is, I, I think, I was thinking about this today. Out of all of the people we've covered on this podcast, I think I hate this man the most. Why? You hate him more than Jack Abramoff? And more than the Enron people? Yes. Because he's just committed more, like, just terrible crimes against people. You know? Like, like they ruined a lot of stuff at Enron. But it was, like, you know, it was all corporate mind stuff. Like, they like they hurt a lot of people indirectly, but they never hurt someone, like, really directly. And Lenny Dykstra has hurt a lot of people very directly. Yeah. And we'll get into it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let me think about it. Let me. So Leonard Kyle Dykstra, of course, his name is fucking Kyle. Fucking Kyle. Uh, if monster was around at the time that he was, he would definitely be pounding it and fucking crashing him on his head. He's he moved on to some other stuff. Yeah. Now, he went to cocaine instead. Uh, he was born on February 10th, 1963. And through his adolescence found one thing to wrap his entire life around baseball. Growing up, according to Lenny, a lot of the stuff that's about his backstory and things today is going to be hearsay from his books that he's written or books written about him, about things he's talked about. But either way, it's still crazy. I don't know why he would make all of this stuff up, but no, some I, of it I, is probably I fabricated. Think some of it is 
true. Uh, but growing up, according to Lenny, he never went to a dance, never attended a party, never had a girlfriend, and he only had one friend growing up for the sole purpose that he could have someone to play catch with. Was That's he- the only reason he had a friend. Now, this dedication did pay off for Dykstra as he became one of the best hitters in the entire country in high school baseball. But the only problem was he was a little tiny man compared to what most baseball players are. Yeah, he's like the size of a normal person. Yeah, he's 5'10", 160. Uh, so that is pretty skinny. It is. And so although he showed a lot of prowess at the plate, he wasn't really drafted as high as he was supposed to have. Like, with his hitting stats, his past couple years in high school, like, he could be a first-rounder. Oh, wow. By most um, standards. But he doesn't, he doesn't pass the eye test, as they say. He doesn't look like a Major League Baseball player at this time. So, he got drafted by the New York Mets in the 13th round of the 1981 draft. And then Dykstra immediately went to work in the minor leagues. Uh, also, just by the way, Dykstra reportedly never read a book until <laughs> after... His baseball career because he said that reading a book, he, he thought that it would fuck with his eyes and it would make it so he couldn't hit at the plate. That logic does not check out. No. But, not, not at all. But whatever he was doing did work because Dykstra's hitting prowess continued in the minor leagues. He won his league's MVP, Most Valuable Player, while setting a record for stolen bases in the league in 1983. And that would stay in the league for 17 years. It wasn't broken for 17 years. Dang. Uh, and then he moved up the levels in the minor leagues until finally Lenny did what only 0.5% of his counterparts do. He was headed to the majors. He was getting called up to... The show, as they call it. So I have a question. What's up? So the Mets drafted him, but when he... So is this how... I don't know. understand really how this works. Okay. So when you get drafted in baseball, do you just get drafted to the minor leagues and then you have to like prove yourself in the minor leagues to become in the major leagues? Yeah. So crash course, just quickly. Because I didn't know that. I thought you tried out for each one. So it's it's not like every other sport. Every other sport is pretty much you get drafted and you're almost immediately on the team. Right. Like you just play immediately. Most of those people are also drafted from college, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, basketball, you have to play a year in college. Yeah. Football, no one is drafted from high school. Uh, no. You have to go to a college. So most of them play four years in college. But in baseball, they draft people like 18 years and younger. Like they draft people when they're 16. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Because the thing is is in baseball, it takes a lot of time to, like, get someone to be so proficient in whatever they do that they can be in the major leagues. So a lot of the time, you don't see people coming up, even the best players that are drafted immediately don't get to the major leagues for three years, like, at least. Got it. If you're really good, like, there was a pitcher last year that uh, the White Sox drafted, uh, Garrett Crochet, and he moved almost immediately to the major leagues. He had played college ball, though, and he could throw 102 miles per hour, so... That's it. The record's 105. So, you know. So, yeah, you have to. They have like triple A affiliate teams or double A affiliate teams, minor league teams that you go play there so they can train you. And then the better you do at those, the more likely you are to move up. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So Lenny started the 1985 season on the Mets major league roster and was promoted to the starting center fielder after the uh, center fielder who was there, Mookie Wilson, suffered an injury. And uh, Dykstra started batting leadoff for them in a season where the team did very well. Uh, they got 98 wins and the Mets had been kind of uh, poopy since they had won the uh, the Miracle Mets, won the World Series in 1969. But Dykstra's most influential season in his baseball career was in 1986 when he took over the full-time starting position. They moved uh, Mookie Wilson on over to left and they 
Uh, oh, Dykstra got all the reps in center. Left out. Ugh. Uh, like, I'm torn. Like, boo, but okay, good one. Thanks. Great. Uh, so, the 1986 Mets are notorious and infamous in baseball history. And there's a really good uh, ESPN 30 for 30 on two players from the team, Doc Gooden and Daryl Strawberry, who are some of the best players uh, in history. But they both developed, like, crippling addictions while on this team. Doc Gooden became uh, so much of an alcoholic that he missed their World Series parade. What? Yeah. Because he was drunk? Yeah. He got so drunk after that night that he slept. He he stayed up drinking till eight a.m. and didn't make the parade. It's the only time he won a World Series. I oh, dude. And he said that that was the biggest regret of his entire life. And he yeah. was like, he was like sixty or something. And Daryl Strawberry just got like he. So back in the nineteen eighties in baseball, they used to take these things called greenies, which were basically just amphetamines. Oh, okay. That were just in the the dugout, but everyone did it because it would like make you fucking hyper focus. Right. Um. So he got addicted to that, and also was an alcoholic. <laughs> Uh, and it was, it, it's crazy. And that's kind of the entirety of the team. They were known for being rowdy and partying after like every game, like going out and getting shwasted, like the entire team, every single game and still coming out the next day and beating the next person somehow. Well, they're still hyped up. You know how much Coke they probably did? Well, that was the thing. You got really fucking drunk the night before you wake up, you do a bunch of Coke. You're good to play baseball. I'm good to go. Rock uh, and roll. Coke and a McGriddle. Nice. That's how I show up to work every brunch. Lenny Dykstra was instrumental in this perception. Basically, everyone hated this team. It was a great time to be a Mets fan and a terrible time if you were anyone playing the Mets. You fucking hated the Mets. Is it like the Patriots? Kind of, but... I hear that people don't like the Patriots. It's like the Patriots, but if when Tom Brady was on there, he used like, like racial slurs and fought everyone every time they played and they still won. Oh, shit. Okay. It's like that. Okay. Yeah, I can see why no one liked them. Uh, because Lenny Dykstra had developed a hard-nosed style of play, which is what they kept using, like, that term for everywhere on the internet, which basically just meant that he was, like, a dick frequently to the opposing team and would get... (laughs) uh, And he would get into fights with, like, all of them. There was a time... I think I saw this! Like, he and the umpire, like... We're fighting, and then the catcher just fucking punches him right in the face because I guess he, like... The umpire had called a strike and he turned around and he said, he said, he looked up at the scoreboard. He pointed the scoreboard. He's just like, he's, you see my batting average? That's 400. You know how it got there? Cause I know what a fucking strike is. And then the catcher was like, fuck you and punched him in the face. <laughs> he would get into so much trouble like this that him and his battery mate, a uh, Wally Backman, uh, were dubbed the partners in grime because they were generally scrappy and shitty people. Mets fans had a much nicer name for Dykstra, though. They called him Nails because he was tough as nails. And he fucking loves that nickname. Oh, yeah, he He uses Nails whenever he can. So Dykstra was such an asshole that he was actually voted most hated player in the league five years in a row, which has to be a record. So that year, the Mets... (laughs) <laughs> nutted up instead of <laughs> shutting up. And they led the majors in wins at 108 wins that year. Dang. And they took home a World Series championship in a postseason where Lenny Dykstra won the MVP of the championship series, so the one before the World Series that they had to win. And the whole time, Dykstra, despite what his attitude might hint, hint at, did not participate in any partying of the Mets. So while Doc Gooden was getting too drunk to make the fucking parade after the World Series, uh, Lenny Dykstra 
was not drinking or doing drugs or partying at all. He said that he hadn't even had a sip of alcohol until he made it to the majors because he was worried about what it might do to his performance. But he was soon to learn that like Robin Williams had his best stand up when he was high off his mind on cocaine. Hilarious, by the way, his like 1980s stand up is great, but he's doing a lot of coke at the time. Uh, Lenny Dykes would learn that sometimes drugs can make things better until you get too into the drugs yeah until they then you ruin your life spoilers in 1989 dykstra was traded from the mets to the philadelphia phillies so he would trade to the phillies and the next year he'd become a free agent which means that he would have to sign with another team he would have to look for another contract to get guaranteed money for the rest of his career so worried about not staying in the major leagues In trying to get the most money out of his contract the next year, Dykstra turned to something he had vowed off his whole life. Drugs. So at this time, steroids were not illegal in the U.S. And there was no rule barring their use in the major leagues. So Dykstra had a prescription for anabolic steroids and was openly shooting up in the clubhouse before games. Yeah. Uh, because of this, Lenny got obviously jacked. Like, he went from, like, 100 and... But his balls shrunk! Probably. And he probably couldn't get it up anymore. But he went from, like, 160 pounds to looking like he was at least, like, 195, 200, like, muscle. Yeah, I was gonna say 210. Like, he was jacked. And he had one of the best seasons of his life. Shocker! He, he made the All-Star game for the first time, and he was hitting for an incredibly high average and more power. Like, he was hitting more home runs than he had ever hit in his life. And at one point, a reporter asked him how how he did it. How did you achieve this level of performance? And he said, special vitamins. <laughs> yeah, I watched that interview, and I was like, you're not pulling the wool over anybody's eyes, dude. No, well, it and wasn't then, illegal either. But, but, yeah, so no one cared, but... Um, there was an interview that I watched with him more recently, probably about five years ago, and they were asking him about his steroid use at that time, and he's like, they're like, do you regret it? He's like, no, I don't regret it. I had, like, the best season of my life. Why would I regret that? And they were like, well, were other players doing it? And he's like, only the smart ones. I was like, okay, so we just, like, don't admit that this was wrong at all. Yeah, this was before. So, basically, every baseball player in the 90s was probably taking steroids, like, right. almost for the most part, like, probably, like, 70%. Um, but this was like the late 80s. This is 89. So it was like no one knew about it. They they were early to the steroid train, as it were. But his drug use did pay off because after the season, he signed a five-year, $13.3 million contract, which was a lot for the early 90s, and yeah. went immediately to blowing off all of his money in the stupidest ways. We've already told the story about Shaq in the Telecom mm-hmm. Cowboy episode a couple episodes ago about how he blew so much of his first contract that he signed right. in like the, in like 30, 30 minutes. minutes. Yeah. So in the offseason, Lenny Dykstra lost $76,000 on gambling. That's like... On poker. He lost $76,000 on poker. And then was put on a one-year suspension by the commissioner of baseball because the gambling ring that he was playing poker in was being investigated by the FBI. (laughs) Nothing ever came out of it, but it was... (laughs) It's so funny to hear Lenny Dykstra talk about the FBI. He's like, they were out to... The FBI, they were out to get me. They were always out to get me. I'm like... That's their job. Lenny Dykstra's a weird guy. When he started signing these contracts, he started hanging out with, like, Charlie Sheen. Yeah, and him and and Charlie Sheen became BFFs. And Donald Trump. He started hanging out with Donald Trump and Charlie Sheen. And with that kind of um, posse, you can see this kind of thinking, like, oh, people are always after me. People really want me for my money. Right. Um, And then blowing it on stupid shit. On stupid, like porn stars. Yeah, like Trump University. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> I forgot about Trump University. Uh, he would also only take private jets wherever he went. He loved private jets. He said that he he didn't need drugs and alcohol when he was on his private jet because the feeling he got from it was better than that. I mean, he was doing a shit ton of drugs and alcohol, though. He was taking a private jet because they didn't care how many cocaine, how much cocaine and strippers he brought on there. True. You own the jet. You own the jet. Bring as much cocaine and strippers as you want. Bring them all. Bring the whole club. (laughs) The entirety, all of cocaine and all of strippers. Take all the cocaine in the whole world. Just bring Columbia on here. And Brandy Lynn and get on this plane and tear it up. Brandy Lynn, Tammy Lynn, Mary Lynn. Perfect. All of you get on here. And Brenda. She's the she's the manager. Speaking of drugs and alcohol, <laughs> Lenny Dykstra driving home drunk from a teammate's bachelor party in 1991. So the year after he signed his contract, Dykstra isn't he still on his suspension, or did he get oh, out he, of the? Suspension? He's on a probation. Probation, not a suspension. So okay, is yeah, he, he still never, on probation? Uh, at this point, yeah, but this didn't. It was, the, it, it was it. the 80s, so I guess they just didn't care. Uh, because he, a lot of time to be alive. Because he definitely crashed his car while driving home drunk from his from this person's bachelor party. And he broke uh, his ribs, his cheekbone, oh. and his collarbone. And then the other guy sustained a broken facial bone and an eye injury. Uh, and he blew a blood alcohol content shortly after that which for those of you who don't know at home is real fucked up that's really high you know you can't drive over 0.08 so it's like yeah that's it's like way more than double yeah so this accident kept him out of playing for two months uh he did eventually return but then re-injured the collarbone running in the outfield wall uh in august which kept him out of the rest of that season god damn it who put this ball here uh and also when he was playing he stayed to to have taken as many as 30 Vicodin every oh before every single game, uh, leading him to multiple occasions where he said he thought that he would legit just die on the field. Yeah, I wonder why, you idiot. Like, drug use in baseball was a huge thing in at least the 80s and 90s. There's a story. Uh, go ahead and look it up. I forget his name, but there was a pitcher who threw a no-hitter while super high on acid because he didn't know that he was go- he had to pitch that day. He thought he had an off day and he showed up and the starter had been scratched. So they moved him forward a day and he pitched a no hitter, which is like the most the craziest thing you can do as a pitcher in baseball. Just like high off his mind on acid. Wait, so like no one hit any of the balls he threw? I don't have time to describe what Um, a no hitter is. (laughs) But yes, no no one got a hit. (laughs) But that maybe you shouldn't do acid. Where do you go to work? <laughs> Correct. And maybe you shouldn't be popping 30 Vicodin before you stay at the office either. When he was... And back to the crazy spending. So Dijkstra was in Germany, right? Oh, this is such a good story. Dijkstra's in Germany. And he sees a woman walking her dog down the street. And he turns to his friend. He's like, I bet you I could buy that dog off that lady. <laughs> like the confidence. Oh, but he did it. He, he bought the dog it. off the lady for 75 thousand dollars he paid this lady for for her her. dog you know and he said he said that it was worth it because it was a genuine german shepherd from germany the 1990 season he barely played and then in the 1991 season on opening day the very first game he broke his hand he got hit by a baseball he broke his hand 
So, so weird. He was also out pretty much all of that season. So now for two seasons in a row, he hasn't really played baseball. He played something like 120 out of the 300 and something oh. games that he could have played in. It's like less than half. However, he pulled it all together after those two seasons marred by injury. In 1993, he had his career best year. But it just so happened to be in another contract year. Coincidence? Ah! I think not. That year in 1993, he led the league in runs, hits, walks, and at-bats, and ended up being the runner-up to the MVP behind maybe, if you discount steroids, the best player in baseball ever, Barry, Barry, Barry Bonds, a little bit newer than them. Babe Ruth was the greatest player of all time. Don't you even bullshit Well, Barry Bonds holds the record for most home runs in a season. Yeah, it's because Babe Ruth died before him. Babe Ruth didn't even hold it for like 50 years. Roger Maris came and broke it in like the 1950s. I believe you. So, Well, that's because it's true. So he was the MVP runner-up to Barry Bonds, and the Phillies went all the way to the World Series, which they would eventually lose to the Toronto Blue Jays, but not because of Dykstra. He clubbed four home runs in six games of, of the World Series. And if they won, probably would have won the World Series MVP that year. So although Lenny, like many players in the MLB in the 90s, was still rampant in his steroid use, everyone was juicing up at this point, uh, that was not the only thing helping him this year. Oh, what else was helping him? Kishan. So Lenny Dykstra took half a million dollars, all right? And he went out and he got a team, like a full-ass team of private investigators with $500,000. And he had them dig up dirt on umpires in the league. So he had them dig up like the deepest, darkest secrets of umpires in the league. And then would blackmail those umpires into calling balls and strikes favorably for him. That's so bad. Yeah, and if they made an unfavorable call, like they called a borderline uh, pitch a strike instead of a ball, it said that he would literally turn around to them and just tell them whatever deep, dark secret that the PIs uncovered, like right there at the game. And he said that it was like super effective. I mean, obviously yeah, it was. Sure it would be. Obviously it was. He led the he led the league in walks, so like he's definitely getting call, good calls from almost all the umpires, right? And he blackmailed them on their infidelity. He knew if they were illegally gambling on baseball games because obviously anyone involved in the game can't gamble on the game. And in one instance, it said that he even used an umpire's homosexuality against him. That's terrible. So he used his sexuality as blackmail. From all this, Dykstra learned a definitive lesson. And that's drugs, alcohol, and blackmail could be (laughs) instrumental in making a shit ton of money and progressing you through life. Because after this, he signed a four-year, $25 million contract that made him, at the time, the highest-paid Philadelphia Philly in history. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. What a turd. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all... It's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. So the the rest of Lenny's uh, baseball career was pretty uneventful. Uh, he was mostly injured the <laughs> the remainder of those years. Uh, and he retired after the 1996 season. Uh, however, he took this lesson of cheating to win into his real life. So... 
at the end of his baseball career, uh, Dykstra had bought and operated, of all things, a string of somehow very lucrative car washes and like lube stops. You want to make a joke on lube stop? I'm giving you a pause so you can make a lube stop job if you want. I don't understand what you mean. Great. Just kidding. Lube. Ha. <laughs> That's what you're going with lube. Ha. Huh? <laughs> The comedic stylings of Nina Kern. Yeah, yeah, that's what. That's why I'm so great. Laugh Factory, uh, Laugh Factory uh, premiere next week. I am lube hot. By the time this premieres, I will have bombed at Laugh Factory. You should make that your closer, lube hot. Ha. Lube. Have you heard of it? Oh my god! No, I bought this. Never mind. Never mind. I'm not gonna lube. What's up with that? I hate Luke. So Lenny Dykstra owned these car washes, and they were doing so well that he was making more money with the car washes than he was playing baseball, even though he was one of the highest paid Yeah, because it was a money laundering players. scheme. Oh, yeah. I mean, they never proved it definitively. They did charge him for money laundering later, so they we knew that he was laundering money, but that was way after he, like, ditched the car watches. So, But, yeah, yeah I mean, how could a car wash make so much money unless you were just, like, funneling cash into it from, right. you know, other, other means. Other weird things. So shortly after leaving the MOB, he did sell this chain of car washes for $50 million. That's kind of crazy. Do we know who bought it? No. Mm. Uh, I'm sure we could find it, but I just wasn't interested. Okay. Um, some legal troubles did arrive towards the end of his uh, car wash mogul time. Uh, a 17-year-old worker at one of the car washes accused Dykstra of groping her inappropriately, uh, to which Lenny was arrested for sexual assault. Good. But the criminal charges were dropped later. He probably paid her off. Probably. Uh, a former business partner sued Dykstra, alleging that he, that Dykstra had told the business partner to place bets on the Phillies on behalf of Dykstra while he was taking steroids and blackmailing the umpires during that 1993 season because he couldn't do it himself. And then his own brother sued him, stating that Dykstra promised him 10% of the company, and his brother was the operations manager for everything. Like, he was basically running the car washes and lube stops. And his brother said that Lenny had promised him 10% of the business, and then right before he sold it, fired him for no reason. What a shitty brother. Yeah, so he's like, fuck you. I'm so assuming just to keep the extra 10%. Oh, from the I'm sale. sure that's what it was. You know, and then after he sold this for $50 million and he cashed out, he continued his spending spree that he started uh, when he signed that big contract in baseball. He bought large mansions, two large mansions in the same neighborhood, one of which was a $17 million estate that was previously owned by none other than the great hockey player, Wayne Gretzky, the only hockey player's name that I know. He also still took his private jet everywhere and even purchased a jet charter company. This all has to cost more than $50 million. <laughs> it does. He was getting a bunch of unsecured loans at this time from banks. Like, yeah. like he wasn't backing them up with anything, but he just had so much money that banks were basically giving him loans, and he was just blowing it. His next company, uh, or his next business venture, uh, would involve that jet charter company, uh, which was a high-end lifestyle management company and an accompanying magazine, The Players Club, aimed at providing financial advice to professional athletes. Oh, yeah, Lenny? I want to hear this. 
financial advice. Right. Well, he was, he was basically like, well, uh, so many players come from nothing like I did and they get all this money and then they just blow it on stupid shit. And I'm here to help them, even though that's exactly what he yeah, did. Yeah, I was just going to say, that's what he was doing. Yeah, he was just throwing his money into the into a fucking fire. And he's like, I'm going to help other people not do this. It's shoveling hundreds into a oh, fire. Jesus. You know, uh, so on top of all this, Dykstra was getting into... The stock market. Fuck yeah! Yeah, yeah. Uh, the man who professed to not reading a book until well into his 30s was trying to be a Wall Street expert. He wanted to be the wolf of Wall Street. Mm-hmm. And he was backed by the popular host of Mad Money, like the money show mm-hmm. that's on Fox, I'm pretty sure. Jim Cramer, who described Dykstra as, quote, one of the best in the world of finance. Okay, well, first of all, I wish I didn't know who Jim Cramer was, but I do know who Jim Cramer is, and all that man does is yell. Yeah. And he sa- only talks like this! And the sound effects buttons, right? Like, he's got all the sound effects buttons that he hits to make sound effects. So annoying. And he referred to uh, Lenny as an investor as being 445 and 1. Like, he would always win. He only ever had one loss. Don't know what the one loss was. I don't know why it wasn't just 445 and O. Because he had one loss, Kashan. I guess. Maybe that was the one loss. Was like, let's see. 445 and O is ridiculous. All right. That's way too much. That's way. It's not believable. Give him a loss. Give him a loss. Give him a loss. It'll make it a little more believable. People will believe it. (laughs) Uh, Which led Dykstra to write articles for Kramer and host his own website, Nails Investment. Yeah, Nails. And also led him to be able to sell his stock picks to people for $1,000 a year. And people were, like, buying. They were like, oh, yeah. He's well, Jim Cramer says he's one of the best. Yeah, he's 445 and one. I'm, I want his stock picks. I want that kind of. $1,000 a year. Now, the whole time, Lenny was not actually picking any of those stocks. He was stealing the picks from an investor friend of his. And then his whole strategy when he would buy a stock is, like, what a child would do with it. Like, they're like, well, profit equals good. No profit equals bad, right? So if it goes up at all, he would sell it immediately to make any profit on it without any analytics or thinking it could go up farther. Nothing. No other thought about it except for ah, more money, give. And then if it went down, he just wouldn't sell it. And then if it kept going down and never came back to where he was, he would just hold on to it forever. He would never sell the stock. Well, it's not a lose then. Yeah. You can't write it down as a loss. Even though you're, you never got rid of it. Yeah, you're losing a shit ton of money, but it's still technically you still own the stock. It's just like worth a hundredth of what you bought it for or whatever. It's fine because it's not a loss. I didn't sell it. Yeah. So he's 445 and one. The logic. So at this time, he built this financial enterprise, you know, uh, even though it's nonsense the whole time. Um, he's still taking a private jet everywhere. He's spending way above his means, even though he has $50 million. He's still spending even more than that. Everything is actually falling in around Lenny Dykstra's life. His money was actually gone, and he, he's just trying to keep up a charade at this point. Yeah. He's poor. And also, he had gotten his life to this point where he was spending so much money. Like, you can't go back from that. No. It, it would be very difficult. Like, yeah, what are you going to do? Go, like, Clean live, your own house? You yeah, live scrub with your roommate? own toilet? Yeah, like, no. And he had child support and alimony at this point. Yeah, that too. Well, not yet. 09 was when he got divorced. Yeah, it's close to around now. 09 is when everything started fucking up for him. So, 
he couldn't make rent payments on the office for the players club. Uh, paychecks were bouncing there as well and everywhere. Like he couldn't afford to pay his housekeepers or the flight attendant on his private jet. He didn't have enough money for them. He couldn't pay for his houses anymore, you know? So in 2009, he filed for chapter 11 bankruptcy, uh, which is where you try to restructure your debt in hopes of coming out the other side with your company still or with your business. It's also available to people. Um, but it's basically where you say, uh, we'll set a plan in motion to where maybe we can restructure how we do things to get more, uh, capital so that we can keep going and we can reach a deal with our creditors, but that doesn't always happen. So it transitioned to a chapter seven bankruptcy, which is where they hire a trustee to liquidate all of your assets, pay off the creditors. And then if there's anything left, they'll give it to you, but they basically take all your stuff and sell it to pay off the people you owe. At this time though, he claimed less than $50,000 in assets while holding 10 to $50 million in debt responsibilities. Dude. All right. Uh, he was, he was forced to foreclose on his houses when he stopped paying the mortgage and was found to not be keeping homeowners insurance on them. And then they came out to inspect the properties. And this is when they found both of the houses to be stripped of all their furniture. The toilets were gone. They most likely he sold them to make a buck like wood was stripped off, like flooring was stripped off. It was very weird. Um, they were also littered with beer bottles, dog feces, urine from just Everybody. anyone. They uh, took out the toilet. There were open leaking sewage pipes and toxic mold growing. Well, yeah, because your sewage pipe is leaving. Yeah. Leaking. So he fucked these houses up. Like he stripped them for any money he could get out of them. they were beautiful too. Oh no, they like, are. Like you know that they were beautiful. I only saw the insides after he stripped them and they were fucked up. And it was like you knew these homes were at one point just like gorgeous. And the outsides still look nice. Yeah. And you know, honestly, it's kind of a poignant like metaphor for Lenny Dykstra's honestly, life at this time yeah, where actually. everything on the outside looks really nice and luxurious and high class. And then on the inside, it's filled with dog shit, urine and toxic mold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was so bad. And Dykstra kept staying at the properties. He wouldn't well, leave. Where, also. where else is he supposed to go though? He doesn't have any money. Well, and he also, he like also, you're what? Yeah. You're just going to go stay at America's best value in like, no, well, he was at this time he was sleeping in cars and hotel lobbies like legitimately. Uh, but he kept also returning to them to just vandalize them more and to take more shit. Um, also, this is the thing that really this made, was this is the thing that makes me hate this guy. The yeah, most. this was really shitty. And yeah, so we're going to talk about some things that involve sexual assault. Yeah. Uh, so you can fast forward Fuck through this, this if that messes with you. Uh, Dykstra was putting up ads on Craigslist for housekeepers this time. And when they arrived, he would disrobe and expose himself, saying that he needed a massage. So How Louis C.K. of you. So it's really fucked up. You know, I think there was like six different instances or something where this happened. Yeah. Um, and the abuse of housekeepers doesn't stop there. The one that he had currently employed at his place... Um, after not receiving a paycheck for three weeks, after all of the money was gone uh, during his downfall, she came forward saying that Dykstra had forced her to give him oral sex every Saturday, which I'm just going to say weird to like have a day for it. And it's like, mm, it's Saturday. Well, maybe he just that's, needs to that's bust the day, a nut That's the Saturdays. day I sexually abuse my housekeeper. I can't fit it in on Sunday. It's going to have to just going to have to be Saturdays, you know? I mean, I guess once you form a routine. Yeah. And she basically said like it was that or lose her job. 
Fuck that guy. So she felt pressured into doing it. Um, he was also accused of hiring a female escort and writing her a bad $1,000 check, which she later posted on her blog. And he was accused of stealing another escort's credit card. So just so everybody knows, if you haven't fast forwarded through this part, um, if you don't pay your sex worker... It is considered assault, so don't do that. Now, he did get some of his comeuppance because in April 2011, Dyser was arrested on counts of bankruptcy fraud. Uh, during his bankruptcy filings, the trustee found that Lenny had stolen and sold or hidden or destroyed $400,000 worth of assets that were supposed to be included in the liquidation. So he was basically taking stuff that he had and he was stealing it and selling it instead of including it in the bankruptcy so that right. so that it couldn't get into the hands of his creditors. Right. Or, like you said, burning money. I think that's what it was referenced to. He was literally taking some stuff and just, like, destroying it. And, I mean, he did have to auction off his World Series ring. It sold for just over $56,000 to pay creditors. Boo-hoo. Something he'll never have again. Uh, and two months later, so in June of 20,000... 20,000. 20,000. <laughs> of 2011, uh, he was arrested again while out on bail for charges of grand theft auto and identity theft arising from a scheme where he and some friends falsified their identity and provided false statements to lease luxury cars and he attempted to buy a stolen vehicle. Good job, Lenny. <laughs> uh, and while arresting Dykstra, they also found cocaine ecstasy and human growth hormone in his house so they slapped on another uh why charges does he for need drug a possession. human growth hormone he was taking it when he was playing baseball he just didn't get rid of it he just kept taking it probably to still be like fucking jacked i think if you come off of it it kind of fucks with you i don't know i've never taken it i don't know how it works neither have i so i don't know i'm big enough I don't need more. Uh, he was also charged with lewd conduct for exposing himself to the Craigslisters. So he did um, face some legal Good. recompense As for that. should have, um, turd. That being said, though, after many no contests and guilty pleas to all of the above charges, uh, which he agreed upon in order to get rid of the drug charges, uh, Lenny Dykstra served only six and a half months in prison. That was not enough. Exposing himself to six random people. Bankruptcy fraud for $400,000, drug possession. Six months. Six and a half. Sounds about, about right to me. Six and a half. This was long enough, however, for something kind of bad to happen to Lenny. I, it, the thing is, it's kind of hard because he's obviously a bad guy, but it's still kind of sad because in prison, he was beaten really terribly by three guards and it knocked out most of his teeth and also left him at least by his account, with permanent brain damage. And he said that they did it while singing Take Me Out to the Ball Game, which is kind of a horror in itself. So here's the thing. Um, did he deserve to get the shit beat out of him? Absolutely. Like, in life. He was a terrible person. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, you deserve the crap to get beaten out of you, but that is not what jail is for. Yeah. And that's Also the guards, like, not even other prisoners. Like, the people in charge right, beat exactly. him up. exactly, like... I mean, here's the thing. He probably deserved to get his ass whooped. Oh, I'm but sure he did. He doesn't deserve to get almost killed because that's kind of what they did. He got out and he originally brought a $15 million lawsuit against the prison, um, but it was dropped later. Uh, and after that, he turned to other ways to pay off his now almost $30 million in debt, uh, including setting up a celebrity boxing match with some short guy called. The Bagel Boss? I had never heard of this guy. Neither had I. He, I guess he went viral 
like a long time ago for yelling at a bunch of people in a bagel shop in New Jersey. And I watched the video. I don't know if yeah, you watched the I video. Watched part of it. Just look up like uh, like Bagel Boss. You'll find it. It's like a short, angry guy. He's like talking about how women hate him on dating apps and tell him that he's short all the time and he yells. He looks at like a mini cake boss. Like he's like an incel. Like he's got it. Like he's yelling at all the women, being mm-hmm. like basically like you never sleep with me. I'm too short. You know, but it's like maybe if you weren't such a dick, like you'd find someone to sleep with you, even though you're short as fuck. Well, maybe you should find a short girl. Did you ever think of that? He's five feet tall. Actually, he's under five feet tall. There's girls who are 4'11". Children. Children, basically. So he set up this uh, celebrity boxing match with him that... Lenny Dykstra then dropped out of to focus on another lawsuit that he was part of. I think it was his stewardess, uh, the suit against him for not paying her. And then just not really related to the story, but Screech from Saved by the Bell took his place in the boxing match. And then on the day of the fight, the bagel boss just never showed up. So Screech won by no contest. Nice. Just in case you were wondering how that bout turned out. And after all that, after getting the shit beat out of him, no teeth, permanent brain damage, He's still up to his old ways because in 2018, after years of quietude, not much happened from, you know, like 2012 when he went to prison and this, he wrote some books in the meantime. And he he did did, uh, go on an interview tour after that, which spurred some like hilariously terrible quotes, especially from the Howard Stern show. Just look up that interview and it's filled with just a bunch of crazy bullshit. Yeah. So after that, in 2018, he threatened an Uber driver with a gun saying that he was going to blow his head off. And then while the police were arresting him for charges of terroristic threats, uh, he was found to be in possession of both cocaine and methamphetamine. Not shocking. I mean, like... And is now awaiting trial. Yeah. He needs to go away for a long time. And hopefully he will. More than six and a half months. I don't think he will. So, Lenny Dykstra. He rose from the common rabble to achieve a childhood dream that only 0.5% of aspirants ever attain. A major league player. And on top of that, a World Series champion. But with money comes corruption. Money is power, and with more power than he ever knew what to do with, Lenny Dykstra chose to become a monster. A person who not only hurt himself, but those around him. A liar, a thief, a sexual assailant, and not to mention, a huge fucking dickhead. A huge fucking dickhead. So that's Lenny Dykstra. Yep. We pay professional athletes... Millions of dollars a year. And sometimes that makes people... A huge fucking dickhead. Like this. So, cautionary tale. Greed, money, it'll fuck you up, fam. All right? (laughs) Shit's lit. Damn. So, yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a review... Uh, we would love it. We would love it. Our analytics show that 80% of you right now are listening on, on iTunes, on iTunes, some sort of Apple device, and they have a review system. So we'd love you to stop and leave us a review. Uh, this week, I'd like to read a review we just got from Lily Davis. All right, Lily. Uh, Lily Davis leaves us five stars. Great for Aww. commuting and gardening. I, I've never, I don't garden. Fucking dickhead. That's what they're going to hear is you're out there. Nine, yeah. uh, you see Deerpus, I see lube. Like, I hope you're not listening on a speaker because I your neighbors you are, are going to hate you. Um, 
I love listening to Kashan and Nina in the morning while writing to my sixth grade teaching job. They also keep me company when I garden each weekend. Interesting content and enjoyable commentary. Aw, thanks, Lily. So thanks, Lily. Thanks for listening. I love how you listen to my potty mouth and then teach a room of sixth graders. That warms. It actually does warm my heart. Yeah. Shows the teachers. They're not that much different than us. No. Some of the worst people I know are teachers. Actually, that's, that's great. on period. <laughs> period, poo. Period. Um, so... Please follow us uh, social media. You can find us facebook.com slash white collars, red hands. You can also follow our Twitter at white collars pod. Both of those will update you uh, weekly with links to our YouTube videos yes. where we're hosted over on entertainment buffet. So big shout out to them for hosting us on YouTube and it also give us gives you a description each week and oh, it's a good way to interact with us. You can always DM or message us through there or you can email us uh, if you have suggestions or anything like that. Uh, white collars, red hands at gmail.com. You can also follow our Instagram at white collars underscore red hands. And uh, Nina puts a bunch of pictures up there, uh, which gives you, I think, a hint about what's coming up. Or do you post it afterwards? I post it when it's up. When it's up. Gives yeah. you a nice little visual representation of what's yes. go going on that week. Um, but early with a hint would probably be good. Maybe. Maybe. Hmm, we're, maybe we'll switch it up. Maybe. Because they're kind of, a lot of the times they're kind of like. You know, well, they're you interesting. Like, like, before Michelle said, don't I know you posted like a cannoli? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yes, cannoli is Italian. Well, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> yes, our person is Italian. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the cannoli. And then the other one was like the cannoli crime. spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what to do. Yeah, we only did one photo shoot because we did one time and we were eating spaghetti. And uh, I don't know how Nina felt, but I felt awkward. <laughs> I was enjoying my spaghetti. It was good. It was cold in the middle, but it was good. Other well, than that's that. because I had made it like two hours before I got here. All right. We digress. We shouldn't have done it at the end of the episode. Thanks so much for listening, you guys. And we'll see you on another episode of White Collars, Red, Red Hands. Hands.